Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Controversial subjects with the facts can be tense, but we are a sub-science here to make things make sense. Today, we are talking all about masks and whether or not they help in minimizing the spread of coronavirus and other germs. We'll be looking into a new study that's come out talking about droplets spreading from the mouth. And then we've actually even done our own experiment to literally test how effective masks are. Excited for that. Let's jump into it. Hi, Greg. (laughs) How you doing? Good, 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 good. I'm um, listening to was just listening to Hamilton, so I'm in a good mood. I feel like yeah, we, just, we always just listening to Hamilton. Like <laughs> that has become my prep for like if I'm ever gonna like work out or go for a run or something. I'm like I'm gonna put on Hamilton because it gets me like so excited. Wait, so Is while you're weird? running, that's what you listen to? Yeah, that's interesting. It, okay. I, and Good. yeah, there are times when I notice if it's a slow song, obviously I'm like, okay, I need to like find Do a faster you song. Think I <laughs> like, but there's something about it that because I've spent so much time listening to it and now I know the words so well, they like get me excited and I feel like emotional. I feel like as a result, my heart rate goes up and then it's like a really good experience. Oh, that's smart. I always listen to like podcasts with like democracy ending. And I'm when you're like, I can't run anymore. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, I, I, I did not think that was weird. I'm always like podcast. Like, I mean, I have them sped up. Maybe that huh. helps me run, but I think it would be a lot smarter for me to listen to Hamilton. I could see that really honestly helping. Whoa. I didn't realize that I've thought of doing that before, but anytime I like try to run, maybe because I'm not a very good runner, I need it to be high energy. So I I need music. I honestly feel exhausted every time I run and I'm like, I think I probably (laughs) should start listening to some upbeat music. I see why people do that. Oh my gosh. Um, Shall we just jump into today's What Did You Learn This Week? Yeah, sure. Oh, what did we learn this week? Uh, You go first. Okay, so mine's actually from an audiobook I was listening to probably while running not very fast or well um <laughs> so do sorry one last question about that do you understand and listen to them properly when you're running then yeah what do you mean like taking like all while you're running you can in? you can fully understand the book and stuff oh for sure I am not that's what I mean I am not focused on my running like I definitely think all right sorry to interrupt you yeah wait so when you listen to podcasts and stuff you think you can't focus on running yeah I mean I can but if I'm doing an activity even if I'm cooking, if I'm doing something where sometimes I need my mental attention, suddenly podcasts are out of the question for me. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So Breath by James Lester is the book that I was reading. I think it's quite popular. I had honestly done the usual every three months, most popular science book of the last like year. And it was on there. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it's all about breathing and how important uh, it is, like from a biochemical perspective, but also like almost philosophical, psychological. But very, very, like I'll summarize the book for you right now. It's very important that you breathe through your nose with your mouth closed. I did not know this. And now I've been very conscious and I think I do breathe through my nose more than I thought. I was really worried. Oh my God, I haven't thought about this before. Do you think that you notice in your life that you're a nose breather or not? As you breathe in, I'm, I'm like watching testing. You. Oh. Yeah, I think I thought most people were nose breathers. I th- yeah, most people are. So I think I am, but because I feel like the times I'm not, my mouth gets so dry. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's good. Uh, but for- one thing I'll say is that I. Sometimes, like, you know, some people say they have, like, deviated septums or different, like, issues with their nose. Sometimes I feel like, and maybe everyone feels this way, but every now and then when I take, like, an allergy med or if I've ever used, like, Dristan up my nose, suddenly I'm like, I have never been able to breathe this well. Oh, I think... Is that normal? <laughs> like, I'll actually be like, is this what normal breathing feels no, like? Because no. my nose normally doesn't breathe like no, this. No, for sure. No, I think that I know exactly what you're saying, and I'm pretty sure that those are, like, from the effect of the actual medicine. Yes, yeah, it's a literal drug, and it, like, clears up. But like, it makes you go from natural. being sick to, like, to breathing better than ever before. And yeah. I was like, should I feel like this normally? Oh, my God, that's so funny, that moment where you're like, wait, is this what life feels like? <laughs> yeah. But breathing no that's definitely i think the drug like (laughs) your nose is designed very well to be getting all the air that you need into your lungs but it was really interesting it it helps it's like it it helps with your posture and he was a mouth breather and had a lot of issues from it and just by training himself people usually some people tape their lips closed that's terrifying to me for while they sleep yeah in order to build up them like you essentially like build up the like tissue and muscles to do it better and anyways for a variety of reasons it's uh, very important to breathe through your nose. So everyone just like, you don't need to read the book. Just know that. <laughs> uh, okay. This is Cliff Notes. Yeah, just, yeah. just breathe through your nose. <laughs> but they did a really great synopsis of how we evolved to breathe. And I think it's something you learn a lot about in school. So I just wanted to summarize it again because it's just, it's fascinating. So like 4 billion years ago is when our ancestors appear on rocks. Like when we sort of leave the water, you know what I mean? Um <laughs> very small hungry organisms that needed to survive but mostly then the atmosphere was co2 so they were um using co2 as a fuel source in order to live but co2 is not efficient and what actually happened is as they were absorbing co2 they were releasing oxygen then eventually the atmosphere gets full of oxygen and sort of like the goo that exists this is about 2.5 million year uh billion sorry 2.5 billion years ago now start to be able to absorb oxygen and now oxygen has a lot more energy and that's how we start to like be able to evolve complex organisms because we're now taking in oxygen uh it's six times more energy efficient than co2 Hmm. and that's sort of like what allows life to like proliferate and then you get animals and you get noses and you get throats and we still now are breathing this oxygen and like creating co2 but that efficiency was created and the ability to have such complex organisms came from the fact that we now are able to take in oxygen with more energy than co2 very interesting. Yeah. It makes me wonder why. So, like, plants obviously create oxygen, but they use CO2. And so it was just like an adaptation of certain species and mammals and animals. That animals, became, yeah. yeah. So it's the ancestors to us, like the, the animals. Right. And, like, we really, like, obviously, so many other animals consume oxygen in different ways Hmm. but the fact that it is so that it is so much more energy efficient in many ways is what made things sort of go like faster yeah in regards to evolution i mean from like a scientific energy entropy perspective yes that this always reminds me of the fact that like prehistorically dragonflies because they have 
their systems are built in the way like they don't have a circulatory system so the oxygen goes right to the parts of their body that needs it so when wow. there was a higher concentration of oxygen on earth there were gigantic dragonflies oh, yeah. they're one of my favorite animals i think they're so cool you can see them literally pumping their like butt, like not butt but like the lower abdomen like this and that's them just like pulling the air in and out that's so interesting and we almost did a podcast on dragons because we were trying <laughs> yeah. to sort of like we were just sort of curious where like the sort of ideas like of it came from folklore okay taylor swift dropped an album <laughs> called folklore um the folklore <laughs> <Hashtag> sponsored by, <laughs> <Taylor Swift. laughs> sponsored by taylor swift uh she's capitalist and she's giving us some of her money um, uh yeah so it's like I, I never thought we it, a lot of it is linked to um, like alligators and like seeing right. kimono dragons literally and like build. But imagine like that imagine sucks. it came from dragon flies. Like <laughs> they were so big mm. that people were like, oh, are those? Oh my dragons? god, that yeah, no, I think this is like millions, way if not, if not a lot longer than when humans were like, oh, dragons and dragonflies. But at first, when you started, I thought you were gonna be like, well, you know, that reminds me of when prehistoric dragons, <laughs> and you're gonna just go on. <laughs> I was like, oh, what? Uh, the last thing I wanted to say about that auction thing is I. I once tried out a CPAP machine, which is for people who ha like stop breathing in the night. It like shoves like air and oxygen through your lungs. And be and so being a mouth breather is really bad. In that case, you can't function with the device if you are a mouth breather. Like, mm -hmm. wait, if your mouth opens, suddenly all the air shooting in your nose comes out of your mouth. And if you you're, sound like Bane yeah, from if you like try Dark to talk, Knight. it'll be like, I'd be like, <laughs> it's like actually <laughs> insane. And I could not deal with that. So I don't have it anymore. Um, that's part of it though. Some people in this book, they use CPAP machines to learn how to act. They, they to do train, to train people yeah. to breathe through their noses because it's so well, it's hard important. at night, especially cause you don't have control. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, <sighs> um, this week I learned that, or sorry, this week, some research came out that showed why some people are more sensitive to pain than others. Oh, and so obviously I was like, <laughs> I'm going to relate to this and use this in my back pocket for when Greg complains because I obviously okay. am very sensitive to pain. We need to explain. I have a, I don't know, maybe even sick relationship to like not being able, <laughs> like it's physical pain. Obviously I can feel physical pain and honey, I can feel emotional pain. We're both on the extreme ends. I'm a baby and you sometimes don't feel pain well like i don't it's so interesting because i can never get into your like neurophysiology to understand i'm just so curious but i do feel like sometimes things happen like someone will like slap my arm and i'll be like oh that didn't hurt and in fact i kind of <laughs> liked it <laughs> not kinky or anything but like no. i just can't explain it people are always like didn't that hurt and i'm like wait what should mm -hmm. it have and i always end up feeling insecure yeah you're very resilient in many ways that come with physical discomfort i would say more than almost anybody i know but are you serious though yeah like i imagine that there's other people who maybe could deal with a physical fight in a better way and maybe you would obviously get hurt in those situations like, yeah. but there are times when you're willing to persist through things where i'm like no no i'm done like i'm not doing this because i'm uncomfortable that's so weird okay but so. it's not always blunt force it might just be physical discomfort yeah i'm very curious about this study okay so basically the study was done in britain they were looking at dna and genetics and there's going to feel like there's a contradiction here because they, I know you have a lot of Neanderthal DNA in use, <laughs> given that <laughs> Drag me to the our, core of the our earth. DNA samples that we looked at. Uh, they found out that there's a mutated Neanderthal gene in a small percentage of humans that leads to this 
oversensitivity in pain. Ah. Now, obviously, I may not actually be one of these people. I just thought it was funny that uh, there are reasons why people have different pain sensitivities. So this gene in particular controls a protein that gets created that regulates sodium coming in and out of channels that are directly related to pain associations. Hmm. So when the mutation exists, it's something like three different amino acids get changed. Suddenly, the sodium channel is way more sensitive. And so it's what's regulating someone's pain and it's firing way more often and way more uh, with a lower threshold, if that makes sense. Yeah, interesting. And so the, yeah, the gene codes for the protein, it was called NAV 1.7. So I lo- okay, I'm always like, you got to name these proteins better, hon. You know, I, know. I know. Like call it like the like pain protein. I know, I know they're like, there's obviously nomenclature as to why they're doing this, but sometimes I'm just like, oh, it's going to be so hard for someone on a third degree, like a third year bio test to remember this but if it was called the pain one the pain protein we'd all know what it does and we'd get that answer right yeah or just like neopain yeah like, yeah oh, the neangelo pain gene yes yeah. that's very easy to remember <laughs> anyway i just was relating to this because i definitely am very sensitive when it comes to pain i have a low tolerance and while i may not have this i think it said 0.4 percent of british people have it that's what they had um, found in their study and your dad comes from britain yeah exactly ah. so perhaps i have it and he's got pretty low pain tolerance too not to drag my dad on the podcast there's nothing wrong with having a low pain tolerance <laughs> thank you say it to the pod but say it to me look me in the eye say that to me there's nothing wrong with having a low pain tolerance there's thank not you. and you couldn't even hold the eye no i just because i can't hold eye contact period different issue um but no i think that there is obviously nothing wrong with it and i think sometimes my maybe um insensitivity literally to your sensitivity is a lack of literal like understanding yeah it's you being and, unable to relate yes exactly and anyways it is it is so, so if you're out there and you also I, we can share this study link because then you can just throw it in someone's face when they call you a baby Ooh, did you just tongue pop? Study time. Okay, is that gonna go down in history in the time where I freaked out about tongue popping as study time came? Like that was like now people know that we don't edit this after. How did you do that? Do what? I don't know. I'm so jealous. A tongue pop? They they love them. They intimidate me. That's with that was different. Yeah, I call those like tongue clock. Yeah. It's like a, a double. So L. you can do the actual way of like it's pressure. Not always. I don't know. Anyway. Episode coming on tum- tongue pop. Um, so today, yes, we're talking about masks. Obviously, there's been a level of controversy surrounding masks. Which, okay. Mostly <laughs> seen in America. Obviously, it exists in many other countries, but even being on the internet and us releasing content around it, it seems very centered in this kind of like political spectrum of America, whereas lots of other countries just used masks from the get-go. Or if they didn't, it wasn't that hard to get their citizens to use masks. So, I don't know. Do you want to start with your study today? Uh, yeah, sure. Oh, I'm be trying to tongue box. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, I will. Um, yeah, I, I'm i going to start with this study. And then I think let's just talk pretty openly about all of this stuff. Because, uh-huh. I mean, we read, like, for our job, we're always reading about coronavirus. And I think things have changed a lot. And, like, let's just have an honest conversation. Because I think okay. it might be interesting for people. But... One thing I will say is that there, when going through a global pandemic, everyone's favorite word, unprecedented, these things haven't happened before. So science is actually being utilized, tested, created in a way like never before. Really it's on the fly. On the fly. Pre, I'm reading preprints all the time, which like I would never read before because everything would be properly like vetted. Mm-hmm. But it's really important to read these preprints because things are happening so fast that we can't allow the scientific process to work in the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, so there has been a lot of debate uh, from the get-go with coronavirus about um, 
how it's transferred. Like, yeah, from the yeah, for every aspect of it, like how it works, why it makes you sick, what your yeah. symptoms are, how to prevent it, what we should be doing. That's all been in contention almost from day one. Not necessarily everything equally in contention, yeah. but obviously we're all aware. I, I just going to bring up, I saw a really amazing post the other day from our friend Science Sam, who's on Instagram and on Twitter. She had made a video kind of explaining why her analogy and she was doing it with visuals was imagine you had a puzzle and you don't actually know what the puzzle picture is yeah and so you're putting pieces together and then as you started getting clumps of information you realize oh this this whole clump probably goes down here but slowly you know what i mean you you find one piece and another and they're completely disparate and you can't tell how they relate until you get more and more information. So I just thought that was a really amazing analogy. That's a great analogy. That's exactly what I'm trying to say. Like, I think I've seen some rhetoric against masks because people are feeling like, well, people told us one thing at the beginning and now you can't trust anyone. And it's like, oh, it's, Okay, that's a weird train of thought. Yeah, yeah. Should we be more empathetic to those people? No, no. I'm just even me going. Yeah, it's like a bad. It's just like okay, I have to try and like you know what I mean, rein that back. But um, I I think that is the way a lot of people think when they don't understand the complexity of science and how it works. They think, okay, well, I was told this, and now I'm being told this. Now I can't trust anything. Mm -hmm. When really, it's like we are all having to figure out how we move forward. And the WHO, for example, has, in my opinion, made some pretty like drastic mistakes, but. Also, there's a lot of reasons for that. A, they don't want to cause panic sometimes, or B, they like essentially don't necessarily know and they must have protocols set in place that I probably want them to have that's making it harder for them. Sure. But either way, as of July 7th, that's when this study came out um, and really helped us understand that likely um, coronavirus is being transferred through air droplets and from talking, and this is why masks are so important. Do you now. mean respiratory droplets in the air? Respiratory like droplets from yes, like mouths. you can think of it more as like it transfers through the air. Whereas before, I do really think people were really scared about surfaces. People were always thinking like, "Oh my god, my mail just got here. Like this is how I'm going to get it." And now people are realizing through studies like this that the it does transfer like quite easily through the air. You are looking at me. Like uh, yeah, I, I, sorry, I'm not. I still think it is on surfaces, but maybe I understand what you're saying. I don't want to give the wrong impression. I don't think they're calling it fully airborne, though. No, but but I think that this is what I'm trying to say. These studies are really new, and the one I'm about to talk about is really interesting, and it is explaining that it is coming from people talking in a way that we need to be wearing masks at all times. Uh-huh. Including, I think, even like in a park, for example, in my opinion. Okay. But it's all in flux. And I don't know. I kind of felt like early on, obviously, like the surfaces thing. I'm just trying to think about like culturally. Do you not feel like it's shifted now? People might think that. Like now we're all of a sudden being told to wear masks. But earlier we were kind of being told that like maybe surfaces were more of an issue. Sure. But people might think what? People might think now like, well, who do I trust? Because I feel like early on, no one told me this. And now I don't want to wear a mask because I don't think it's even that important. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. I think that is a problem that people face in science all the time. But it's like if you go back far enough, we used to think the earth was flat. And then we moved on from that belief. And we used to think X, Y, and Z. Science is constantly of reevaluating itself. And especially, yes, in a time of a pandemic with brand new information, we're going to be reevaluating a lot of the things we're learning. I, yeah, 
I do agree that people might be getting confused and some of the discomfort or pushback is because it feels like they were lied to when in fact it was just here's the best information we have right now and it may or may not change. Exactly. And I think this the video that we just made is that's why it's so important. And I love the video we made because I think it's very clear. But for me, I'm just trying to empathize and figure out how we talk about this and make people wear masks. You know what I mean? Because they're obviously feeling a reason that they shouldn't. So it was July 7th that this was done and they actually used this really complex like light laser light scattering technology to look at people talking and then figure out literally how many droplets come out of their mouth, how big they are. And based on how big they are, they can figure out how long they'll stay in the air and how much virus will be in them if you're sick because they can now understand how the virus actually appears within these droplets. And their big question was, how do these droplets sort of function? And they're now really using physics to understand how. And essentially, that one minute of loud speaking generates a thousand aerosols, four micrometers in diameter, that remain airborne for at least eight minutes. And that those airborne molecules can have the virus in them and you could easily get them into you from mm-hmm. that, from inhaling them, et cetera, into your body. So this is scientific. I thought this was funny in my head. I was like, this is scientific evidence to wear a mask, but also to like shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was just like, it's like, it's talking is, and right. as we learned from our experiment, a big issue. And one thing that they found is really interesting is that every time you speak, your droplets become dehydrated and have less liquid in them as they move through the air. And as droplets become, quote unquote, dehydrated, they actually end up becoming lighter and therefore stay in the air for longer. Hmm. So it's like they were able to look at the size and they said that, for example, if a a droplet with an initial diameter of 50 micrometers shrinks to 10 micrometers, the speed at which it falls to the ground decreases from 6.8 centimeters per second to 0.35 centimeters per second. Right. Okay. So... And what they're finding is that when they're studying these droplets, they are decreasing in size really quickly when they leave your mouth. And therefore, they're actually staying, not hitting the ground nearly as fast as maybe they would have thought when they were like, oh, that's the size of a droplet. So therefore, Mm -hmm. it falls this fast. And they also really revealed that um, TH noise. (laughs) As a gay, we say this all the time. (laughs) Uh, Maybe just me. Um, that that creates a lot of droplets. And so in the English language, there's a lot of ways in which we communicate that create a lot. And then also that speaking loudly creates way more droplets. So bars, for example, singing, these types of things are like actually a concern. So when we think about opening bars, it's like that should maybe be one of the last things. Like if you think about yelling over music, like Mm -hmm. that's actually a huge issue. Concerts, big issue for the actual things that we do during them. Right. Whereas, you know, talking in a park, I guess, or other places where there's not, you're not being the competing with. Is, yeah, yes, exactly. Low. Anyways, um, there's a lot more information like that I read if you want to know. But the main point is just we really need to be wearing masks. According to the newest updated science, it is transferring from droplets that we are talking and creating coming out of our mouths all the time. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a, a bit of a scary image it paints of just these like droplets floating around everywhere. It would be interesting if there was some, imagine that laser technology could exist everywhere. Or you know how sometimes there's like UV technology so you can see sunscreen or you can see certain things in the air. It would be very interesting if there was ever like goggles created and you could just see the virus in the air and you'd have a good sense of like, is I don't know. Obviously, that's that's not so exist. interesting. Well, this well, this technology is really. You'd be able to see the the moisture. You wouldn't be able to see the virus. Yeah, I think that. I mean, again, 
the limits of technology and science are in the future are things that we can't grasp. But yeah, true. the technology is really complicated and interesting and reading about it. I just love, you know, those moments where you're like, how people thought of this? This is mm-hmm. incredible. Um, uh, but it's definitely so sort of expensive and specific the situations they're studying that there's no way that a and goggle could exist right now where we're just like, oh, obviously. Clouds. And yeah. I mean, what's interesting as well is we know that depending on your level of infection, you would potentially be having, you know, more virus per drop or per whatever size of respiratory droplet yeah, than they- somebody who's not as sick. And so those those levels, like the, even if you know how much is in the air in terms of respiratory droplets, you don't necessarily know how much virus is there unless you're collecting it and analyzing that data as well. Yeah, for sure. And they actually used another model of the RNA load of virus per droplet, and then they averaged it for this study. So they are starting to sort of understand how mm. much um, virus is likely in the oral fluid of someone who is sick. Right. But the one thing I'll say is that like, a big part of this study that they need you to know is they used another study that did the people were quite sick in it. So these are Using again fully infected, fully yes. symptomatic people who have coronavirus. Yeah. Or so COVID-19. so essentially what they do is they take that study where the people are really sick, they're probably in a hospital, um, and so therefore they're understanding their viral load, and then they're now putting it into a separate study that's just mm-hmm. about how we talk with droplets, assuming the size of droplets from that study and the amount of virus in this second study. So again, it's like, you need to understand that. We're not saying that everyone is going around uh, and you know speaking with this virus in your face because mm-hmm. the people who, with the viral load they're using, would have been very sick. Right, okay. But there is a lot of, still we don't know about asymptomatic carriers and um, just important information to you for you to know to not be like so scared, but obviously we need to wear masks because it's transferring through talking. Wow. I mean, yeah, okay. Uh, I, I I was just going to go to a little comment corner and then we can go back and talk about our personal experiment. Is that cool? Yeah, for and sure. And how that relates to your study. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Yeah. Comment Corner. Okay, so I have a comment here from Jenna PST. <laughs> I don't know is that how you say that. G-E-N-E-P-S-T. People have the weirdest <laughs> Apple iTunes names. I feel like they like you sign up and they, I don't even know where you put it. They just yeah, like I don't make know. Them up. Yeah, yeah. It's not one where it like is related to your actual name. So I mean, hopefully that's Jenna PST. Thanks for leaving this. It says, I absolutely adore this podcast. I've had some bad experiences with science in school in the past, but this has rekindled my love for the subject uh-huh. and reminded me of how much I love to learn about science and in general as well. Such an awesome podcast. That's really nice. Oh, that's so cool. Because I, so we, we kind of get that message, especially when we meet people in person, we've been told that a lot, that, you know, I, I hated science or I didn't like it before and this kind of opened my eyes to it. I'm always curious how far that goes for people because obviously we, we might have had that 
experience in some way with like a teacher that kind of inspired us. But I never had it where I really thought I disliked science and then came around to loving it. Oh, you know wow. I mean. Yeah. I never disliked it. That's true. Yeah. I, I might have thought it might. I think in grade nine, I remember thinking learning certain what as- is this <laughs> certain aspects i remember thinking this is boring and you also have to like learn a lot of history in the beginnings of science yeah old white dudes and you're like yeah no. or i just remember like those electric grids you have to draw and like explain like, yeah yeah know? oh my god i remember <laughs> i was like that. the same for me bro i am not gonna be an electric <laughs> engineering yeah. Maybe, yeah uh but yeah so i might have had a little <laughs> bit of that transformation but it's interesting to be like i didn't like science and now i do so that's really awesome that makes me feel really good it also makes me happy because i sometimes think like even even when I explain that past study, I, in my head, I feel like I'm talking to people who love science. Like I for, like I feel like sometimes we go into a detail that I like about this podcast, mm-hmm. but it really makes me happy to think that someone is using this podcast and maybe doesn't love science to learn and get mm-hmm. their science information. Like that's always very meaningful, I think, to me. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Jenny PST. If you want to leave us a comment on iTunes or on YouTube or on Twitter, anywhere, Instagram, we'll hopefully read it on our show. So just leave us a message. That sounded like it went together. Leave us a message. Uh, So let's talk a little bit about the experiment that we did. Yeah. So we actually created a video on our YouTube channel documenting this. It was a look at masks versus no masks. And we, we were inspired by this post that I saw on Twitter by a person named Dr. Rich Davis, who works as a microbiologist in a lab. And he had you know, use Petri dishes with agar, agar mediums on them and coughed in front of some, talked to some, sang to some, and um, sneezed on some with and without a mask. <laughs> and then he let them the colonies, like, grow and shared that with the, the ma- without a mask. There was lots of different colonies for the different activities, and with a mask, there was essentially zero that showed up. And so we were like, we want to redo this and try it ourselves. We actually... There's a couple extra things that weren't in the video that we'll share now, so... We first tried it by doing at-home experiments. Like, do you, you obviously remember this. <laughs> do you remember? I was like, the only person there, quarantine. Um, basically, we ordered, like, these <laughs> kits online that were just, you know, make, do your own, make your own agar at home. But what happened So was, you actually made the solution. Yeah, we, yeah and we, we had filmed the whole thing. Boiled we, like, it. Yeah, we, like, made the solution. We sterilized as much as we could. But I think we didn't sterilize enough because everything was just contaminated. It was real. They made really cool plates, but even the controls had like contamination all in them that hadn't. We really did it in them. our kitchen. Yeah, like, there was lots of bacteria there, probably. And I, yeah, we just did it loosely, and then we were like, oh. So we reached out to uh, a friend who connected us with another friend in a lab who was able to provide us with these proper petri dishes that had been in an autoclave. Oh, and when they showed up, honey, pristine. Yes, I saw the difference. It made me really miss working in a lab. Not that yeah. I ever worked with petri dishes in a lab but talk talking to her and then she connected us to a few other people that we'll get into in a minute um it was just a really cool experience and to know that they're literally every day she studies fungi and their effects on humans and the ones that you know why sometimes things go wrong in fungi that would be normal in a human can suddenly start being harmful for a human it's just like that's so cool i feel stupid but i didn't really know that we have like fungi living within us regularly so she was like you know in your normal microbiota you can have some come out on the plates you might actually have fungi growing that's so oh um i love smart scientists they make yeah. me feel so calm i know and then they're both so young and i'm like you're so cool and your job's amazing but ultimately we redid the experiment do you want to talk about it at all like no I, I mean i love i actually even wanted to go back like did you um because i really think you were the most mo- like you really got this video going 
Um, did you have a relationship to masks? Like, I think a lot of people in America, especially science communicators we know, are getting really frustrated. And they're like, we need to make this video. Um, is that what, did that have anything to do with you wanting to start doing this? Or was it just Not like, too oh, intensely. I'm interested. Yeah, I found, I thought it was such a clever way to talk about masks. And I thought, hey, we have an, a big platform on YouTube. I saw this tweet that um, Dr. Davis had posted and was, and it had done really well on Twitter. And I thought, oh my gosh, that'd be really cool to recreate that and show the whole process instead of just the result. Um, and obviously for good reason for being like, okay, A, it would be extra data, like creating our own little study, not only on supplementary to his, but then we did it ourselves and we involved the lab. So we had two separate cool. um, trials. And it was cool to show the process of science. Like yeah, but ultimately, yes, I, I was like, I believe why not test this? If we're seeing results like this, we should all be wearing masks, even if they're not 100% protective, which they're certainly not. I think we know that they're potentially helping. Yeah. Even, even if it's like 1% in my mind, I'm like, why not? I don't see it as an affront to my like freedoms basically, which I know a lot of people in America have different opinions about. Um, so yeah, it was just a mix of wanting to see what our results would be and then knowing what his results were being like this is a great way to talk about the efficacy and i guess doing the experiment did exactly we were just like oh my gosh yeah, wear was, a mask like it it's was really wild. shocking so I think it was shocking if you look at our video we can talk about it now or you can probably go on our instagram and twitter to see our results so we had one experiment at home that was just on sort of normal they're called lb plates and that is for regular bacteria to sort of thrive it has all the nutrients they need but in the lab they used this other kind of agar that had sheep's blood in it and all these other it's nutrients. red and bloody yes and that was more similar to the twitter experiment we had seen and then they had an incubator and they did a whole bunch of tests we didn't include in the video that were like some in an incubator that was an anaerobic chamber and some in a like a chamber a regular incubator well, and anaerobic's not having oxygen correct because they thought you know different bacteria will grow so if you cough on a plate and you put one in an anaerobic chamber there are bacteria within you that survive better without oxygen so they're more likely to thrive there Mm. we were just we were curious what would happen and would it be different in the different chambers ultimately they had basically the same results so we really had three of our own tests um and they all showed almost the exact same results as Dr. Davis. So all of the mask versions showed no bacterial cultural growth on them, or at least no visible bacterial culture. It's possible that they were growing because it was smaller. They could have been growing slower. Um, And in general, the sneezing had the highest level of bacterial growth. Singing was high, but then the most shocking was talking. Talking, Yeah. So that's why I think the study I brought up is so important. And I think even you saying like, whether it's 1%, or like, I'm still going to wear a mask. It's like, I think we need to start being like, it is a very big deal. Because I think right. when you conglomerate this up-to-date research I just mentioned, and you actually talk about the study that you just viscerally did, you can see there are no bacterial colonies growing on any of the ones where we wear a mask. Yeah. And then they are where we don't. And we know it transfers through droplets. Yeah. So I just want to also clarify for people, as we did in the video, as Dr. Davis did, yes, this is bacteria and coronavirus is a virus. So we are not technically seeing coronavirus. This doesn't show that coronavirus was on the plates, but it's really a proxy for how many droplets actually make it to the plate when you hold it about a foot to a foot and a half from your face, talk to it. And then we can safely assume that a proportionate amount of virus would probably go there. But ultimately, viruses are so small, we wouldn't ever be able to see them by eye if we wanted to look at those plates, maybe under a microscope or some specialized devices, we could see them. But the bacteria is just a great way because after 
especially with an incubator after a day, you're already seeing colonies with your naked eye. Well, there you go. But the droplets that those bacteria are in that you studied are the same droplets that we know based on the studies of coronavirus, the virus spreads in, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, there's a direct comparison. And I just think, I think wearing a mask right now during this global pandemic is so important. It is, it is like obviously physical distancing. We all know we're talking about that culturally, but I think mask, it's like, it really is something that I think everyone just needs to remember when they leave the house and the best to be like, oh yeah, it's, it's stopping my literal spit from going anywhere else. I can go do whatever it is that I'm allowed to do wherever I am. But just knowing for myself that I'm stopping my spit while I talk from hitting whoever it is that I talk to, who's probably someone I care about. It's just like, that is going to help. Um, if this information is something you want to explain to them to explain why you're wearing a mask and them to put one on, like, I don't know how far we go with that, but it really right now, according to the science, is so, so, so important. Yeah, some, I didn't actually see a lot of this conversation, but some people either asking, you know, genuinely or people who just want to criticize and find what's wrong with it, their argument would be that, well, viruses are so much smaller and so they're able to get through the mask. Um, and my only argument to that is like, we don't really have evidence, yes or no, for that right now. That's totally plausible that could be true but what i would say to talk about that in this particular experiment when we're measuring droplets that land on the plate is that we know that the actual exposure to the amount of virus impacts how sick you get and whether or not you end up being needing treatment so if you have a high viral load exposure you're more likely to get sick and test positive if you have a very very low exposure then maybe you won't get sick or maybe you won't you'll be asymptomatic so if we know that some droplets are being stopped by a mask even if it was only the largest ones say 50 percent, then we're actually decreasing our viral load that's coming out of our mouth with a mask so even if there are particles that just happen to be small enough spit particles that say go through the mask again we don't know there's not enough test or study to really look into this but let's say it's plausible. At the very least, the mask is effectively stopping the, any big droplets that would also contain the virus. Hmm. It's, it's not like magically the virus ones are all getting through and then just the bacteria ones are Magic. getting trapped, right? <laughs> so that's all I want to say on that. I think it was a really cool experiment. You could try and it yeah, at home. We should say we were using homemade cloth masks. That's true. We weren't oh, yeah. wearing any 95 masks. That's a completely different thing. We were talking about actually putting two layers of cotton over mm -hmm. your mouth with a homemade mask, in, which lots of people are doing. In the lab, they used disposable non-surgical masks. Yeah, so those you can blue buy ones, it. you see, you can buy them like in large So they packs. worked in, this, in similar ways. Yeah, and we had basically the exact same result the only thing that was different from the Twitter results was the coughing, uh, which we found was really interesting. So both dry coughing though, I, even when I was doing it, I was like, there's nothing coming. Like yeah. it just feels so like, so we, I hadn't thought of it in the moment because the sneeze, clearly you feel like the spit particles yeah. come out even when you're faking it, which we had to do. And we said in the video, but the coughing on mine and on the lab results were just very minimal. But whereas the guy who did it on Twitter, he had a lot in his cough. Interestingly, our friends in the lab had one other person do it just for fun and their coughing had a lot more. Well, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like 
like coughing like ours was dry, but I feel like some people so, are yeah, maybe yeah. better at being like, like so oh, this is so gross, I, um, but, like creating. Yeah, saliva. Dr. Davis had tweeted us being like, you know, I really actually made sure my mouth was wet before I cough. Yeah. And obviously, if you're not sick, you're not. You might have wetness in your mouth, but then even more so, you're not having that phlegm. That when someone actually coughs, it's to relieve that moisture in your lungs like get it out of there so obviously we didn't have that but one other interesting point that the lab team we were working with brought up is that also people have different microbiota in their like Hmm. oral microbiota so it's possible that one of them's bacterial like colonies just flourished more on the petri dishes uh, in different circumstances than the other person. So I thought that was really interesting to think about. Obviously, again, bacteria not related to the coronavirus, but it was just like a really cool... But related to droplets. Related to droplets. Yeah. Yeah, Today, sorry. we should maybe call this episode Masks and Droplets or something <laughs> to make it more clear, but it's th- those droplets are what are really important right now. Uh, I'm curious, what do you think will happen going forward, Greg? Like, do you what? think... <laughs> what? You mean in general, in the world? Yeah, just in the world. No. Um, oh my God. With relation, like, okay, to, like with relation to mask adherence does that make sense like with especially in america but in canada too there's lots of people who don't want to wear masks who don't wear it do you think that people before before the end will come around to it um it's so interesting because like everything varies so much i think based on your localized community and how things are happening where you are and almost like where you are within like a 10 kilometer radius. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's how at least I, as someone who stays home all the time and is really like, you know, reading science all the time. So I guess I'm extra sort of like aware and maybe more scared. I don't know. I stay home and I just think about that sort of bubble. Um, I think that obviously where we are right now, like the numbers are very low for transmission and I even sort of look up where exactly they are. So sometimes when I'm out wearing a mask, like walking our dog and I see people without a mask, I, I kind of go, oh, okay, well, the numbers are low. I'm like, mm-hmm. maybe they're so educated that they're just on a quick little thing that they're like, right. like, because of course, like everyone should be wearing a mask. And, uh, and to be honest, I've like twice left my house and walked my dog and realized I wasn't wearing a mask like halfway through. And then been like, well, according to the science, like I'm not going to go be fine, six yeah. feet near anyone and like, and justified it for myself. So I assume people who aren't wearing masks right. are kind Do of as well. at least figuring out all the parameters. But then sometimes obviously I'm like, maybe that's not true. <laughs> and when I think about places like America where the numbers are so high, I'm just like, you need to be wearing masks. And I would assume that if that happened in a place like Toronto or in our community, everyone would hmm. like get it and put on masks. You mean and if we had like thousands and thousands of cases in Toronto? Yeah. I just like, I think then my, me leaving my house would be a lot different. I think You're I would like, be more I like need, you yeah. need to wear a mask or like yeah. if someone came out to me, I'd be like, do not like come near me. Like unless wearing a mask. It's because- like if you leave your house and you forgot, you turn around and you go get it. Oh my God. Yeah. And like, like, whereas um, now because you're on a walk and you're like, I probably won't interact with everyone. But if we were in that situation, I do think I'd be like, I actually don't want to ever leave this house without that. Exactly. So that's what I mean. When you ask me, I'm like, I don't know what community I should picture answering Mm -hmm. that question. So I was using ours and then like, uh, I don't know, America, like anywhere in Texas right now, I would be like, everyone needs to wear a mask. But another thing in Toronto is that businesses, you have to have a mask to go in it. So I've never had that issue because I'm always wearing one when I'm going anywhere, even though I don't go many places. It's like, I walk in freely. I do my thing. It feels quite normal. Mm-hmm. But I do understand that if someone wasn't wearing a mask, like I I think in businesses, they would say that you have to wear one now yeah. in Ontario. So like people I think have just abided by that and there hasn't been much backlash. And I think that's something that I can't relate to to America. It's just like it's 
the like law. the intensity of it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, no one I, really I, had I'm that I'm sure there's levels that don't make it to the press. Like, I imagine a convenience store has to deal with people who just walk in and don't have a mask on. And maybe not extreme abuse necessarily, but the abuses that come from someone who's like, I'm not wearing a mask. And then that clerk or whatever having to decide am I going to let you buy things? So then wait, because I, I have a question. Cause I, cause, sorry, I just mean like a chain grocery store has the infrastructure to be like, no, no, you leave. We have a security guard. You can't be in here if you don't yeah. have a mask. But if you're like an independent shop, you might have to deal with yeah. someone coming in. But there are laws in place here, especially in restaurants and high traffic places where they could lose their licenses if people are coming in without masks and things like so that. So have you, have you heard any news like that? Because I honestly I haven't. haven't. You're right. So, but all I meant is if it doesn't get to an extreme, if I think anything that extreme that happens would probably get reported in the news. But the other day I was at our convenience store and I didn't see anyone without a mask, but it occurred to me, like, I really hope everyone's being respectful, especially to the people who are working in a place like this, who are just a family running their own business and probably don't want to have to enforce a rule because it's like extremely awkward to have mm -hmm. someone walk in and that someone might be nice and might've actually forgot. And they might say, you can't be in here without a mask. And that person might go, okay. Or it might be someone who walked there and forgot, but it's kind of a dick and is like, I'm oh, not, oh, yeah. just let me shop. Come on. And then they might have like, that wouldn't get reported. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. No, so you're I, right. You're I right. just hope that people are being sensitive to, a lot of people are put in a position right now where they might have to enforce it and it might be incredibly uncomfortable for them because they have to confront their customers now. Okay, yeah. One thing I'll say is I do remember that there was a small little protest against mass masks in the in TTC Canada. in Toronto, remember? But it was like, I remember seeing the photos and seeing the headlines and looking and it was like, it was like 20 people. Yeah, it was small <laughs> enough and then it just went away that I was like, okay, good, good. job. <laughs> I got to not know this anymore. Um, <laughs> not <laughs> my friends. But I also think that it's just... It's really important to understand and remember, like, it's like masks are so sexy because it's <laughs> literally just a physical telling to people that you are altruistic, that yeah. you are a human. It's like even that example, you're wearing a mask because if you want to go into a convenience store or you want to go do anything like in your local neighborhood, wherever you live, you want the people who you're interacting with selling you things to feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. Like that's just, or B, you actually want to save the lives of your friends. Like, mm -hmm. like you want to make sure that you're contributing to decreasing a virus that we're all, everyone on this whole planet can come together and be scared of. So it's, it's great for that, but it's also protecting the people around you who you love. To me, it's such a visual sign of like care that I really um, want it to be considered sexy and to be con considered cool. And I mean, I know I'm a huge Bad Bunny fan, but he was like wearing masks. You know what I mean? Before even coronavirus came <laughs> you out. You are so, so There's so much parts of fashion, like in like Japan and different places, like in East Asian countries, literally the fashion has a lot to do with culture. They've had more, um, dealt with more epidemics. And it's just like, it's cool. Like you can, you it, for me it's like yeah it's just like I don't know I think I have nice eyes but like I don't necessarily like love my cheeks cover them up <laughs> or like I don't know like you don't look necessarily bad it's kind of mysterious like I do think there's a world where it's just like embrace it. It, it it's important it's altruistic but it's also kind of sexy it can be cool and it doesn't have to be something that like I don't know it's that I, big a deal I feel like there, I, I really I feel like there's something about coolness that's so weirdly part of it like wearing a helmet it's like Ugh, I love wearing a helmet, sense. and when I see someone wearing a helmet, I'm like, "You're smart. You're protecting your brilliant brain." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, that's true. And there's also something about not wearing a helmet that, to me, is like, okay, you're obviously trying to like 
you care about the way you look, which is also yeah. kind of hot, but like, it's also not sometimes it's like really, I don't oh, know. Yeah, no, as soon as I see someone without a helmet, I think you're, you're really, in, you're, <laughs> you're insecure. Like you care you're so insecure. much. You, like, and I'm, you know, everyone's insecure. Like I care about how people perceive me, but I'm also not, not more than my own safety. <laughs> so I see someone without a helmet and I'm like, you care so much more about how people who aren't even interacting with you on the road and the sidewalk see you than the risk that you might fall and bang your head and be severely injured. So this, I mean, that's interesting. I, I like, I do agree with you. I know you have a, you're really intense. About Wear a helmet, helmet people. Yeah, yeah. And I think we should do an episode about helmets actually. Yes. Like, write that one out. Producer. Oh yeah. Get it in the back. Um, <laughs> but I think that that is part of it. And I think, yeah, I think as if we can reframe it, like, Wearing a helmet is sexy. It is cool. It is about protecting your life. But masks are like even sexier because it's about protecting other people's lives. Yeah. Like, I just, I don't know. I don't know how maybe famous people, hype house, sway house. <laughs> like you're not doing a very good job because none of those oh freaking influencers are wearing masks. But it's like, you need to wear them because you need to make them cool for young people. And then we don't even have to like get in this mess in the same way. That's true. I mean, that's just one thing. I don't know. That's not true. Like people should also just wear them because like legally they have to. <laughs> <laughs> but uh you're right though sometimes it's not so easy to just like tell someone to do something it has to be turned into something that people are like actually think is cool or better to do yeah yeah exactly actually, and we have really cool science ones and that like helps me be like yeah uh, and honestly people recognize us on the street a lot like i've noticed with those on and i'm like i bet because they like you know what i mean they're just like yeah, they're their brain goes like wait science too Gay is walking down the street with like bags. <laughs> yeah, you're just not wearing those. I actually like the anonymity. Oh my god. Anonymity? Anna, thank you. Anonymity. But then, yeah, sometimes I'm like, oh, why are people. No, I, I enjoy when people say hi, but I just get, I get more caught off guard when I'm wearing a mask and someone's. Oh my god. Okay. So if you are a fan of Ace of Science and you see Mitch on the street, you better be calling from across the street saying, we like you. Do not come up and talk to him. He will not be in the best. Well, well, just especially in a pandemic. Because yeah. I don't know, like, if you know, I don't want to be that close to you. Some random woman started talking to us the other day who did not know ASAP Science. She just wanted to talk about our dog. And we were like, yeah, why are you really doing intense. this? Like, you don't touch our dog. And <laughs> she was on a run. She didn't have a mask on. And it was just like, it was so weird. I mean, it was weird. It made me think, like, I don't know how much of this was her trying. Like, as soon as I think we started to back away and show physical cues of, like, can you please stay away? She mm -hmm. almost started being like, no, but, like, she almost started yeah, testing nothing, it a Nothing bit. was said about masks, but she... Just was like, oh my gosh, let me pet your dog. And we were like, uh, I don't I don't know. Like, we kind of put him away. And, you know, we're passive. Kept... So we didn't be like, no, there's a pandemic. You're not touching our dog. And we just assumed she'd pick up on, like, the discomfort of But it us. felt like she started to yeah, press. Almost because be it like, was like, wait, why? It was really oh weird experience. But, again, it made it so me realize just, like, if we all had masks on, it would just be, like, easier. <sighs> I would still stay six feet apart, but... Anyways, very, like, very um, fascinating. Wear a mask. Watch our video to understand why you should wear a mask. Mm -hmm. And there's the Petri dishes are right in front of us right now. What are you going to do with them? They're kind of pretty, um, but they Well, smell. they're starting to smell really bad, and they're just going to grow it's bigger. So, so, yeah, when I opened it, I was like, to take photos and stuff, I realized how bad it smelled. It's like, literally, like, bad breath. <laughs> like, it's like... Yeah, it's, it's, it's also... Yeah, it's just, like, not a pleasant <laughs> smell. And now now that I know the strong version of it, if I get the faintest whiff of it, I'm like, oh, it's disgusting. Um, so I think I need to, like, get rid of those. And okay, let's take of lots them. of photos, though, because they're kind of cool and pretty. Yeah, no, they are really pretty. 
All right. Well, thank you all for listening. Hopefully, you're wearing masks and being a proponent for masks wearing. And next week, we have an amazing episode because we're interviewing Katie Mack, who ah! is an astrophysicist, and we're talking about the end of the universe. And she just wants, I think, maybe one of the smartest people I've ever spoken to. And so, oh, it's just amazing. Yeah. So, we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.